0: Horses deserve so much better. This is the wild bunch. Hey, Jackie. Hi, Greg.
1: Welcome to Seen and Heard. This is the podcast where two entertainment assistants talk about the sight and sound top 100 greatest films of all time. This week, we're at number 84 Mm -hmm. on the list because we do ping pong between the top and the bottom of the list, and we're at number 84 for Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. Yes. This is our second Western that Mm -hmm. we've covered so far, the first being John Ford's The Searchers, which we were... Uh, I was about to say lukewarm, but I think <laughs> not even quite lukewarm. Kind of like bathwater that's We're been cold. sitting there for 30 minutes. We're cold. Yeah.
0: Yeehaw!
1: <laughs> that's us this week. Getting on that horse. Anyway, uh, Jackie, what have you been watching this last week?
0: So I saw Top Gun.
1: Oh, the new one, Maverick? Yeah. I saw it too.
0: It was fun. You have more to say about it. I know you do, so I'll leave that to you. What
1: makes you say that?
0: Like, it was fun, but everyone is going crazy which i love i love that for any movie nowadays like i said for everything everywhere i i love how people are embracing this movie and people are going to see it mm-hmm. and the crowd was really great when i was there it's fun it's a great blockbuster to go to the movies for
1: yeah better than fast and furious well i haven't seen any of those to be fair. me
0: neither but still <laughs> i
1: hear from a lot of people those are like a lot of fun
0: Anyway, (laughs) I also saw I saw Downton Abbey. Oh, did you? Which was so fun.
1: Okay, good. So fun. Good.
0: So it's really like any good episode, it's this perfect balance of sheer delight and also balanced with extreme awareness of death and being surrounded by death. It's macabre. Like as 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 lovely as it is, it is so dark. It really is. Cool. But there's this one moment that I can't wait for you to see it because I know you're going to love it. Oh, boy. I, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But when I went to the theater and we gave our tickets, I was there with my sister and one of our best friends. The guy ripped our ticket. He's like, wow, you guys are the youngest people in this movie. <laughs> but it was really fun. And then last night, really quick, I did see uh, Last Year at Marion Ben.
1: Oh, the Alan Renee film.
0: Yeah. And I saw on Letterboxd, you don't like it that much.
1: No, I saw it once and I was not. No, Here's really the thing.
0: There's something there, something really powerful and mm-hmm. deep and rich, right there. But I, you can't. I don't think you can grasp it in one sitting. It's in, impenetrable. In, yeah, yeah. In mm-hmm. one viewing, I mean,
1: I would love to see it again. Yeah, you
0: should because there's some beautiful images, gorgeous. Oh, for sure.
1: It's Delphine Seyrig, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah oh. and she's great. So yeah, I look forward to watching it again because I, I did like it, and I, it was really really beautiful but i feel like it is one of those that you need to see again because it is impenetrable and it is known to be impenetrable like on criterion where i watched it it said one of the most puzzling films of all time and i'm like oh my god this is not the movie to choose at 9 p.m While i'm extremely tired (laughs) but i guess i'm already in it so yeah i was that 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 adds to it i was i was kind of tired
1: yeah i need to see it again i i'm much more of a hiroshima monomora fan
0: I love that movie, I so I was like, Mary "I think I Bad should see it." Marion Bad was his follow-up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what have you been watching?
1: A few things. I did see uh, Jurassic World Dominion, you which did? was Why? a pile of trash.
0: Why would you see that? Because
1: they're bringing back Sam Neill, Laura Dern. Oh, Jeff yeah, Robert. yeah, 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 yeah. It's trash.
0: <laughs> I've heard. It is. I've
1: heard. It is abysmal. <laughs> I heard. It, it is a mess from frame one. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah it, it's it's just completely misguided and. Uh, honestly Chris Pratt at this point he needs to either like completely change it up or he's toast like he looked like he he just doesn't have any charisma in this movie he's it feels like he doesn't want to be there He doesn't have any charm. Wow, I'm so over him. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, though, is good. And, of course, the original three uh, cast members are... Are they? They're good. They're good. Like,
0: what do they do without giving it away?
1: Also, Laura Dern says to Jeff Goldblum about Sam Neill, she says, he slid into my DMs. So that's a line that's spoken in this movie. Uh, To give you a little taste, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) there's way too much happening in the movie. There's all these plot lines. It tries to be a Bond movie at one point. It's like the Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt storyline. Then they have like the Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum storyline. There's other shit going on, and it's like too much for one movie. I hated it. And then I saw a movie called Lake Mungo for the first time, which is this Australian sort of horror film from the from like 2008, and it's set up like a faux documentary about Aww, this woman that drowns creepy. in a lake, and then the the family is like being haunted by her ghost. It is done so, so well. Genuinely creepy. And it never gets too big. Uh, Everything in it is totally believable. And all the actors are really good. Like it feels like a real documentary. Highly recommend Lake Mungo. And again, it's not terrifying. It's not, you're not going to lose sleep at night. It doesn't go to like that point, but it's just creepy enough because it's believable. And it's really good.
0: No, 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 no. Uh, And then, yeah, I
1: did see Top Gun Maverick. And I really, really liked it. Really? So it's
0: so corny like the dialogue course, was just very too corny. corny I have
1: no reverence for the first movie
0: you know I haven't seen it in so long but I did love it when I was a teenager oh right? did you I did because of Tom Cruise come on
1: I mean, I love Tom Cruise. It was a blind spot for me for years. No, I but didn't, like Teenage
0: yeah. Girl and Tom Cruise. No, of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and he's like in his late 20s, or yeah, early 30s. Yeah. And yeah.
0: Take my breath away. Come on. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> so I do have fond memories. I haven't seen it in a really long time. And I'm sure if I rewatch it, I won't like it. So I don't really plan to. But I do have fond memories of that That's first great. one.
1: I didn't see the first one until like 2 years ago.
0: Mm.
1: Uh it was a big and I love Tom Cruise movies, so like it was a blind spot for me. So I finally saw it and I was like pretty underwhelmed by it. Like I didn't hate it, but I was like yeah, yeah, okay. So I this movie, this new one wasn't even on my radar. <laughs> And uh Molly was like, Oh, let's go see the new Top Gun. I was like, Why? And then she's like, Oh, John Ham's in it. I was like, Oh shit. He is? <laughs> and I was like, Okay, sold, let's go right now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just always rooting for John Hamm and I wanna see him and stuff. And just,
0: yeah, me too. He was
1: sold as the villain in this movie and I was like, is, yeah. I mean he kinda is. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, sold. <laughs> yeah. I really, really liked it. So, there's a lot of hype around it. People are like, this movie is the blockbuster savior and stuff. And I love that for it. It's not that. And I think that the fact that people are calling it that, it's just, it shows what a sad state we're living in Mm -hmm. right now for big Mm -hmm. uh, blockbuster movies. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Because everything now is so anti character. Like, you never get to know anybody. Mm -hmm. It's stuff like Jurassic World Dominion, where it's like, it's overstuffed. The plot is way too big, way mm-hmm, too complicated, mm-hmm. it takes up way too much screen time. And it's just like puzzle pieces trying to fit yes, together. And yes. that's like the whole film are the writers just trying to piece all these like yeah. loose ends together. How refreshing was Top Gun? Yeah, it was. And it's, yes. it's a simple story told very, very well. It's one mission. It, the world is not about to end. Mm-mm. It's one mission. Mm-hmm. You know the mission very clearly. They set it up and the whole movie they're practicing for the mission. Yeah. So that when the mission happens in the last act, you know yeah. exactly what they're supposed to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. That was riveting. The whole like last 20 or 30 minutes of this movie, I was completely riveted. Yes, the movie's a little corny. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the characters are kind of stereotypes or whatever. There's a lot of like ridiculous stuff. Yeah. In there. But it worked just enough for me. I, I think. think so too. It was just it. It was kind of a throwback in the sense that it reminds me of the movies I grew up on, mm-hmm. which I know was the intention of the movie. But there's something about Tom Cruise is such a showman. And say what you will about him as a person, like he's definitely problematic. But he really wants to put on a good show, mm-hmm. and the lengths he goes to to do that mm-hmm. are like really admirable. Yeah. And again, these these are people in planes with real G force. You know, it's like, it, it it feels real. It's not some c- murky CGI thing. Yeah. It's like, you can tell these are planes that are flying and yeah. like these actors are actually in planes or they're in something that's like simulating so g yeah, Did they
0: actually learn how to fly planes? So I don't...
1: They all went to like flight school. I don't think they're flying the planes in the movie though, mm-hmm. but I think they're in planes. Yeah. A- acting like they're flying planes. Okay.
0: But someone else is controlling them. I think so.
1: I haven't like read that much into it. I really liked it. I'm actually going to go back and see it in IMAX because I didn't see it in IMAX.
0: Anyway, before we get into the Wild Bunch, we want to read some of these responses we got for the question we posed two episodes ago. It was our Day in the Country episode. And we asked you guys, which three of the 30s French movies that we've done so far were your favorites? So we have Rules of the Game, La Talente, and A Day in the Country. So we got a few responses, which is really, really nice because we are a baby podcast. And just to get any responses at all makes us feel really good. So thank you guys.
1: We love hearing from you.
0: (laughs) And next time we pose a question, don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you guys. Anyway, here are our responses. We got a short and sweet one. Isabel said, la talent because of the cats. Love it. Yep.
1: (laughs) It's almost (laughs) enough to sway me too, I think. I love cats. I'm shaking my
0: head. Greg <laughs> is going to read The Day in the Country when Oh, I forgot to mention. We had... No, no one said uh, Rules of the Game yeah. was their favorite. Yeah. Which is ironic because it's at the top of the list and it's the most revered.
1: Yeah, it is the most famous of the three films. Uh, someone named Henry said... I know Jackie hated it, but Day in the Country has got to be my favorite from the three, Uh, and not just because Anatole fucks. (laughs) In all seriousness, if the title card in the beginning didn't tell you it was incomplete, you would never know. Also, my favorite Renoir... Even over Grand Illusion. Wow. I know that's bold, but there's something comforting about knowing I can watch a bona fide masterpiece in under an hour. Well, I agree.
0: Neither of us have seen Grand Illusion, so I'm that's looking true. forward to God, seeing it. I and feel bad testing. about that. I know, right? I do too. Yeah. Like I said, it's on my short list.
1: Well, I agree with Henry. <laughs> yes. Completely.
0: Um, Kim said, La Talante is my favorite because of how dreamy it is. I was completely drawn in from the get-go, and I didn't get that with either of Renoir's movies. Like you guys mentioned, it has this wonderful blend of silent era montages mixed with dialogue, which I thought only helped the story. Yes, the characters are a little flat, but I'll take a poetic romance over discourse about French society any day. Mm. That's fair.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair.
0: I feel that way as well. Yeah. Anyway, again, thank you guys so much. And let's get into this movie.
1: Number 84, Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. <laughs> Wow.
0: The Wild Bunch was released in 1969. It is an American Western directed by Sam Peckinpah. Screenplay by Wallen Green and Peckinpah. Cinematography by Lucian Ballard. The film tells the story of a group of outlaws led by the aging thief Pike, who wants to pull off one last job before retirement. Other members of the group include Dutch, Angel, and the Gorch Brothers. After a robbery gone wrong, they set out to Mexico to run away from Pike's former partner, Deke Thornton who made a bargain with the law after his arrest to help catch Pike and the bunch. In Mexico, they come to meet a corrupt general of the Mexican Federal Army, Mapache, who hires the outlaws to steal a shipment of weapons from the U.S. Army. They succeed, however, Mapache arrests and tortures Angel for stealing a crate of weapons to give to the people of his village to resist the federales. The bunch decide to save him, even if it means risking their lives, and one final bloody shootout leaves them all dead. Deke does not cash in for the bounty, however, and he decides he prefers the life of an outcast better as he rides off with a group of Mexican rebels. The film stars William Holden as Pike Bishop, Ernest Borgnine as Dutch, and Robert Ryan as Deke Thornton. And yeah, so in 1969, uh, the producers at Warner Brothers wanted to beat Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid to the theaters, which would be released later that year. And I know you know a lot about Peck and Paw, right?
1: I know a little bit, yeah.
0: Okay. I'll leave that to you. But yes, Peck and Paw <laughs> was highly influenced by Bonnie and Clyde in 1967 and wanted to bring bloody realism to the Western. Mm-hmm. And it was shot on location in Mexico using many locals with no acting experience. However, the general was played by uh, Mexican director and actor Don Emilio, who was a friend of Peck and Paw's. And yeah, it came out to mixed reviews, of course. Some critics hated the violence. I read a funny story. So there's a whole book about the release of this movie and the making of this movie. Mm -hmm. It's by W.K. Stratton. And I think it's just called The Wild Bunch, I believe. And he, one of the stories in the book, I didn't
1: read the book, but I just... You didn't?
0: (laughs) Apparently in Fresno, shout out to Fresno, a group of nuns (laughs) walked out of the theater during the opening bank robbery. That's great. I mean, there's a bunch of other stories about people walking up, but I just thought that was hilarious. I thought they were saying a John Wayne Western, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and apparently someone said whatever happened to John Wayne at one of the screenings. That's funny.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think he did True Grit this, I think that was also 1969. I could be wrong. It could be 67, 68, but it's around the same time. Yeah, so Sam Peckinpah, nicknamed "Bloody Sam," uh, this was kind of his breakthrough. He'd done a few movies before this that were kind of tamer and stuff. In 1967, Arthur Penn's film uh, "Bonnie and Clyde" came out, and Peckinpah saw that, and he was like, "Oh shit, I can like up the ante on this." So yeah, this came out a little—I guess a little bit on Peckinpah. He uh, was in World War II. I don't think he saw any actual combat. Uh, He was in the Marines, but he was, Mm -hmm. like, sent to China. He saw, like, a bunch of torture and stuff and people getting killed. So that kind of, like, influenced. He was affected by it. Um, The first thing he directed. So he was this, like, military guy, basically. And he grew up on a ranch in Fresno.
0: No way. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So uh, when he went to college, he met a woman who got him in the theater. And the first thing he ever directed was an adaptation of Tennessee Williams' Glass Menagerie.
0: Wow. uh, On the
1: stage. And um, yeah, he kind of like was known as this sort of tyrannical figure like he was uh, he suffered from manic depression and paranoia, and that was like fueled by alcoholism and drug mm. use. So he was known as sort of like almost like in a bipolar way, like he was very sweet one minute and yeah. tender and had this like artistic temperament and then could like shout and throw things and hit, wow. hit people. Um, so. Yeah, basically this movie came out in 1969. It's kind of, it's credited as being one of the films that kind of changed Hollywood. Although, again, we had Bonnie and Clyde two years earlier. And I also think it's a mistake. This is a violent movie. I think it's a mistake to give it too much credit. Because, again, the Italians had done it Mm -hmm. years before Mm -hmm. this. Uh, Sergio Leone, Sergio Corbucci, those people, you know, the Dollars Trilogy with Clint Eastwood had already been made. Once Upon a Time in the West had already been made. Django, all that stuff was already a thing. Um, so this, and those movies are like just as violent as this, actually, if not slightly more violent. So yeah. for American audiences, maybe this was a little shocking at the time to see in a Western.
0: But wasn't like, didn't Once Upon a Time in the West have like a big American release?
1: It did. It did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I, maybe this is more violent than Once Upon a Time in the West. It's more
0: bloody. It's yeah. more colorful. Yeah. Uh, cause I just watched it actually like a few months ago or maybe a month ago. It's more colorful, I will say. Yeah. What are your initial thoughts?
1: (laughs) Okay, so I'd seen this once before. uh, Probably 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I remember not really liking it. Kind of the same. Um, Yeah, I don't really love this. I think... I think Peckinpah's 70s work, specifically with Straw Dogs and Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia go further with it uh i think his 70s work is more interesting i don't i, I don't even still lo- like love either of those movies and i get his work is deeply problematic because a lot of people have described his work as like male fantasies he never has any strong female characters and the women in his movies are treated so poorly and to know that he kind of did this in real life too he was married on and off to different women and Uh, was alleged that he hit people too and assaulted women and, you know, uh, so... Great. So, yeah, that that all kind of feeds in. It's hard to separate the art from the artist in that aspect because you are seeing women portrayed so poorly in his films. So that kind of all runs through it. There's just... They're so overly macho. Um, But, yeah, I don't think this movie is that interesting, actually. (laughs) Yeah. My biggest problem with this movie is... It's, it's an essential sort of like new Hollywood movie. And new Hollywood is my favorite era of film. Like the 70s American films are like, that's where all my favorite movies come from. And I think this movie has one foot in new Hollywood, but one foot in old Hollywood.
0: Exactly, And the
1: way that it's kind of like shot and lit is very it old Hollywood. It's
0: acted. I think the acting is like super conventional. Yeah.
1: It, it, so in that respect it doesn't really work for me because it feels stilted and kind of old-fashioned whereas again several years before this we had the spaghetti westerns and those are alive and vibrant and yeah those still feel fresh today i think wild bunch feels old-fashioned
0: i think so too and i
1: think yeah the the violence is ups the ante from most old hollywood westerns but it feels take it away
0: and what do you have
1: i know exactly i completely agree i don't think the story is that compelling i think you know the movie's like two and a half hours long basically i think it's too long uh to support the story here which is not very strong yeah and again i don't really care about any of the characters william holden i don't know i again i like the casting of william holden because it's this kind of like he was such a hollywood golden hollywood boy and to put him in something kind of like dangerous and i like he calls
0: someone a bitch and i like freaked i'm like william holden just said bitch yeah
1: i know it's kind of (laughs) shocking right Also, it's funny, William Holden is the Sean Penn character in Licorice Pizza, basically. That's that's supposed to be William Holden. His name in Licorice Pizza is Jack Holden.
0: Wait, was William Holden like an asshole and I didn't know this? I
1: think so. I think he was kind Mm. of just one of those rough and tumble, like, you know, especially like after his sort of era ended. I see. But yeah, the movie doesn't really do anything for me. And it's funny that, again, this is the second Western we've done and... I don't really like it, but I really love Westerns. I just why like, I'm saying. It's I like so good embarrassing ones. <laughs> that like
0: the only American movies on the list so far have really been Westerns, and we didn't like either of them. Yeah. Like,
1: well, that's enough about it's me. It's yeah, ironic. Why don't you, I want to hear what you have so to think. So
0: I, I think the timing that we're doing this movie is incredible, because just yesterday I read that there's some movement. I forgot. I, I read it on Twitter. I think it's Judd Apatow he wants to start like a conversation basically about like reassessing gun violence in Mm -hmm. Hollywood and the part it plays in gun violence in real life. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was really interesting that we're doing this movie this week. Um, But yeah, listen, I'll take Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. I'll take (laughs) like any day. The fact that they thought this movie was going to like beat it and outdo it, which it does because Butch Cassidy is not on the list, but I will take that movie any day because it was kind of similar like it opened you know how this movie opened with it would like freeze frame yeah that that's like kind of butch cassidy e
1: yeah although (laughs) butch cassidy is is much lighter and like
0: yes of course of course but again i will take that once upon a time in the west which came just a year before this infinitely better like infinitely
1: yeah
0: it's crazy (laughs) to me
1: has a strong female character yes she's the main character she's the center of the story yes
0: um so yeah that was my initial thought like i understand what he was going for but honestly it just felt super dated Mm -hmm. like i can't decide if i like the whole cutting mid shot and then cutting to something else and then returning to that shot yeah i just can't decide if i like that yet uh i get slow motion was like new and revolutionary back then but it just feels really dated (laughs) when i watch it like seven samurai was better with slow-mo well yeah and it's so much older but like that's the thing (laughs) like it's not you can't even blame it on time
1: no yeah because that was like 15 years before this
0: i don't think and now i'm getting into details not a single flashback worked for me the echoing of sounds the rippling it's like this movie is super dated like you said a lot of the style felt gimmicky. I get it. Chaos, violence. It's supposed to assault your eyes. But for some reason, it just wasn't effective to me. I don't know. It seemed sloppy. And I get that it's it supposed does seem to be. I get it. It's not an unintentional sloppiness. I get that it's supposed to be sloppy. And disorientation, sloppiness, those were the points, right? But even so, like, there's there's a way that it works and there's a way it doesn't work. And it doesn't work in this Instance, like the most revisionist thing about this movie, everyone's like, "The first revisionist western, the first revisionist western." What's revisionist about it? That there's blood? Cool.
1: <laughs> I know, been done. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and the main characters are bad guys again. Been. I done. mean, yeah, yeah. Those are my initial I think, thoughts. Two.
1: There's a western I love from like I think it's the early '60s. It's a Marlon Brando directed western called One-Eyed Jacks that I think is way more revisionist and interesting than The Wild Bunch which again was like 1969.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Peckinpah a little bit okay. and his intentions because I feel like we do have this trend in this in this podcast where it's like what well, were the director's intentions and then what did, what do we see? Yeah. Um so with this this movie it's very clear that it's this counterculture new Hollywood movie and It was his response to the Vietnam War and it's very clear and he has said it that it is about like the disillusionment of America and, you know, MLK Jr. and Robert Kennedy were assassinated while this movie was being shot. Mm -hmm. So I have a few quotes from him because we don't have to guess what his intentions are. He has said it. So here's one, which was interesting. This is from a biography called If They Move, Kill Him. Here's what Peckinpah said. The point of the film is to take this facade of movie violence and open it up, get people involved in it so that they are starting to go in the Hollywood television predictable reaction syndrome, and then twist it so that it's not fun anymore, just a wave of sickness in the gut. It's brutalizing, ugly, and bloody awful. It's not fun in games and cowboys and Indians. It's a terrible, ugly thing, and yet there's a certain response that you get from it, an excitement because we're all violent people. That's what his intention mm-hmm. was, right, but it just didn't do it for me. It's got no class. like there's a well, way to the make point. a messy, that is the point, though. Yeah. but I think that there's a way to make a messy movie with class
1: uh-huh there is does that
0: make sense
1: yeah i I will ag- I will say though, I don't think that this movie glamorizes violence or anything. like
0: I don't think so either. Yeah.
1: I think he genuinely genuinely was shaken by his experiences in World War two and was sickened by violence, and I don't think. Even though all of his films are violent, I don't think that they're violent in the way that... Like, it, he always makes it look depressing and sloppy and, like, just really unglamorous.
0: But there's always a reverse effect of people oh, being sure. excited, sure. which he which he acknowledges. Mm-hmm. And even there was a quote by uh, Martin Scorsese saying how excited he was when he saw it and how it was, like... Yeah. You know? I So it's this double-edged sword, really. Yeah. But... He also said another quote by him is about this movie is it's a simple story about bad men in changing times. Mm-hmm. So he acknowledges that it is a simple story. Yeah. But all that being said, it still doesn't work for us.
1: I think honestly he needed to go further with it.
0: Maybe. I think
1: because again like think about the the train heist scene. It feels like an old western. Like it, it
0: really does. There's nothing
1: about that that's exciting or like not that it needed to be exciting, but it doesn't feel dangerous mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. it feels like something out of and an old John Wayne western.
0: Exactly, and as much as he doesn't glamorize violence and acknowledges that these are bad people, and I'm going to get more deep into this, it still has that like silly tone like we see in the searchers. There's still these like silly moments yeah. that don't really fit. Exactly, if he went one step further like once, I mean, I think once upon a time in the West, I think the the fact that it's such a tense and like held back film when it is held back and then you go really into it, like that's so much more effective
1: to me yeah.
0: than uh, yeah. literal madness. Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think... I just have a real problem with the way too that he treats the women in his characters because again the, the women in this movie oh, are topless and gross.
0: I will get into it. Don't you <laughs> yeah. worry, sir. We are going to talk about it.
1: It's like okay if you're you're showing how horrible these guys are, but like then have a strong female character somewhere.
0: Someone. Yeah.
1: Because you can't just One. the only women in your movie can't be topless and groped, yes, like
0: or being called bitches or being murdered, and yeah. then oh, let's save the guy that murdered this woman, yeah, that's the problem is like he he meant for them to be true bad guys, but they're still heroes in the end, like they're of course they're heroes in the end,
1: because they're men's they're yeah. men's men,
0: yeah, anyway, so uh, let's talk about the style because I do think it's for me, I think the style ruins it the most, mm-hmm. so I like how it shows how destructive it is for everyone, how innocent civilians are killed. I really do like that. You see innocent people dying. You know, it's really intense. Um, Like I knew it was, I, I knew it was going to be violent and I was ready to see violence, but I w- I don't think I was ready for these really experimental edits.
1: The slow-mo and stuff. And
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like for example, the good stuff like there's this great uh pov shot of deke thornton the his ex best friend like just walking in the aftermath it's his pov and you're seeing all these dead bodies that's great yeah yeah that's that's wonderful there's also what else did i like oh other things i liked. like you see the faces of some of the villagers in the last scene you see like very close up their faces as the shootout is about to start that's great like Mm -hmm. it really does it gets its point across that like other people are affected by this violence i like the crash into the dress store but then you also have like william holden just waiting to be shot in the beginning he's like whoa and there's a zoom and then some trombone gets in the way you know like you have (laughs) those moments but then you also have these ones i don't like how that dress store that dress store shot that i just mentioned It cuts mid shot to see something else. And then we come back Mm. like, just show me the dress store. I don't need to see mid shot something else. Yeah,
1: I think he's trying a little too hard because, again, this is 1969 year of Easy Rider, which did a lot of those kinds of crazy cuts. But it works in Easy Rider.
0: Yeah, falling. Yeah. you. So uh, the initial crash happens and then you see someone falling off their horse and then you come back to the dress store. And it's like, why? I I didn't need that. Yeah, These two little kids just like hugging. And looking around, it's silly. It's dated. Let's talk
1: about that. I think it's an interesting sort of device he uses in this movie: is violence through the eyes of children. Because the movie opens with these kids that have put the scorpion in, or a couple scorpions. That's
0: cool. I like that. I really like that.
1: And the scorpion is just stinging itself to death because the red ants are on it. Yes. And you're watching the scorpion just die, and then they light it on fire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's Um,
0: wild, and I like that. Yeah. But But I don't. He doesn't go
1: far enough with it
0: not that and also like i don't need to see like two little kids hugging being waited like waiting to be trampled and their faces are just blank they're just like smiling i'm like okay i
1: agree it's on the nose and it
0: is old it feels old
1: yeah
0: and then yeah like i said the flashbacks with the water ripples the echoes none of them are good they all feel extremely corny yeah what about the one (laughs) can i play it for you yeah it's really funny yeah this is when the old guy, God, I forgot his name. The really old man that's in their gang, mm-hmm. Sykes, I think his name is, he asks Pike, Oh, what happened to my boy? And it was his grandson. His grandson was the one holding up the bank.
1: Mm-hmm. Crazy Lee.
0: Crazy Lee. Here's how one of the flashbacks starts. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> you know I what don't... I going to play? Your boy. Crazy Lee? Yeah, CEO. Clarence Lee, my daughter's boy. Not too bright, but a, a good boy. I kill him now. I kill him now.
1: No, you just hold him here. Hold
0: him
1: here. Yeah, I know it's a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's important to note that actor's name is Bo Hopkins. He actually just died a couple weeks ago. Oh my goodness. He's in probably most famous for American Graffiti. Um, oh
0: yeah. Okay. Like here's what I mean by it's. And again, I get that messiness in elegance is the point. However, I think there's a way to make it kind of, I don't know, a little tighter. Like, what's that sand dune scene where they're all like, Whoa, what's going on? Our horses are falling. Oh, I, know, I know. It's ridiculous.
1: This movie is way too fucking long. The
0: bounty hunters talk so loud and with like really heavy accents. They're all talking over each other. And my ears were just like, what? Like, what?
1: Yeah. I agree. There's it's like, another it's clip. It's like trying to be Robert Altman.
0: There's another <laughs> clip I want to play. Okay. It's one of the bounty hunters. And he says, this is the line. He says, you tell me if this is what you hear when you hear this. Okay. Well, let's pack our things. What he's saying is, well, because I had to turn on subtitles because I was like, what did that man just say? I need to know. <laughs> he said, well, let's pack it up then.
1: yeah it's hard you can't tell what he's saying
0: that's what i mean when i'm saying it just has no class and i feel like the music is really badly placed
1: yeah you know the the music the score actually feels really old-fashioned it brings it down even further like jesus christ
0: when he's about to shoot one of the gang members who got really badly injured who's now blind he's gonna shoot him and this music is just blaring.
1: Yeah, I know. And he's
0: like, I, I, I can see, I can see, I can't see. Finish it. It's like sweet relief when he shot him. And I get that's the point, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, I can ride. I can't see, but but I can ride. <laughs> oh. no. I can't ride. Finish it, Mr. Bishop. <laughs> But it's just, why did we need music there? Mm -hmm. Why?
1: I know. know. It's so overscored.
0: When he falls, when Pike misplaces his leg when he's trying to get on his horse, and it's like, and he like falls. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Brother Pike needs help, Brother Lyle. I don't (laughs) get it. I don't get this movie. I don't get how this movie is.
1: I will say. I don't know. Okay. Okay.
0: The, i'm raging now on, on but... the next
1: sight and sound list if this is on there I don't think they it should will be, be embarrassed yeah i think too. this movie as a huge fan of the new hollywood i think this is one of the absolute worst like seminal new hollywood films yes and i don't think this movie deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as a lot of those films. no and i think sam peckinpah even though i like his 70s work substantially more than this uh, I think he does not deserve he's not on the Mount Rushmore of like new Hollywood filmmakers. And I, Mm-mm.
0: There's some you know. very weird stuff too. Like for example, Angel just starts he decides he wants to start smoking cigars just so he can light the dynamite. Oh, yeah. You never see this guy hold a cigar or even a cigarette throughout the whole movie. And then when he has to light dynamite, of course he's smoking a cigar. Yeah, it's very like convenient. it's weird things like that. Yeah, it's yeah. very weird when he bursts out. He's at the village. They're in uh, Angel's village and he hears that the woman he loves has run away with this general, Mapache. What's that? He like stands in the middle of the village. He's like, where's Mapache? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, clearly not here. What are you doing? <laughs> it's things like this that are very random and awkward, like you said. Yeah. The scene where they're with Mapache and they're like, all right, let's get some women in here. It's just really weird. Mm-hmm. Re- like just weird, weird vibes.
1: I do love when they come it's back. It's
0: incoherence. And- like... I, go ahead.
1: I love when they give Angel up and then they come back for him and he's being dragged from the car. Yes, I yes, love that.
0: yes. That's good. That's fine. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying no, is like it has these weird, incoherent moments mm-hmm. and there's no ulterior motives. They're not like they're not cool bandits who just seem like they're rough and rowdy and not smart on the outside to then be cool and collected and, calm and really intelligent on the inside. They are just then um, they're pirates essentially, which yeah. is fine, but. Just doesn't do anything for yeah. me I, yeah. I i don't know
1: i think this is a case of one of those films that like it's not particularly like interesting while you're watching it i think it again it's like yeah you could read some stuff into it after the fact on like what violence means and like the ways portraying it and like the sort of the structure of the film but like it's not interesting enough exactly and i, just, I th-
0: think so i think it's not interesting enough and like you said it has one foot in this old western and one foot in the new like what's that scene where they're drinking from like a bottle and they're tossing the bottle around and there's like funny music playing
1: yeah
0: i'm like what is first of all i don't even understand what they're doing what's the joke that i'm not getting they're not throwing it to that guy okay wow hilarious
1: yeah this is 1969 it's
0: weird and they're all like cracking up i'm like what's funny i i don't get it why do we need to see them in a resort I know. Like, why? Why do we need to see them <laughs> shooting those wine barrels yeah. with those topless girls sitting in a wine barrel, sitting in a sauna? Did I ask? Did I ask to see you on, on vacation? No. Like, what does it have to do with anything right now? Well,
1: you know what? I might actually defend that a little bit just because I feel like it's it, it's showing the decadence of, like, their mindset of, like, fuck it. We'll go to the—we'll bathe I in get wine. it. And they're like I said, they're pirates. Barrel. They're yeah. pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I just didn't need to see that. I don't know. I would take that that, scene
1: over a lot of the other scenes, though.
0: I get it. I just don't think it's deserved yet. Like, Mm -hmm. if we had something important happen and then that, like, wow, okay, Angel shoots his ex-girlfriend and now we're going to be friends. Right. Like, it's... (laughs) Right. I don't know. It does happen
1: after the train robbery scene, though, right? No, it doesn't. It happens before. Oh, really? And there's music
0: playing throughout. Like, it's like a montage, but they're talking. Yeah. And they're talking to Angel about, like, one crate is not going to save people whatever and there's like music playing and they're sitting around in a sauna and I'm like okay I know I don't know I don't know
1: You know what works for me in this movie though Warren Oates Who's he He's on their gang he plays uh he plays Lyle Gorch
0: Yes one of the Gorch brothers mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So he is such a treasure um kind of one of those like underappreciated actors like he was in this he was in Badlands uh, He was in Tulane Blacktop, which is a huge movie for me. I love. Have you seen Tulane Blacktop? No. He's in Spielberg's 1941. He's in um, also another Peckinpah movie, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, which is a much more interesting movie than this. He's actually the lead of that one. Mm-hmm. He's the best part of this movie for me because he just like has this. He just feels like the real deal. Like whereas like William Holden. Yeah, again, it's kind of one foot in the past of mm-hmm. like old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But, like, for me, yeah, Warren Oates is just, like, yeah, he's, like, he's a nice touch to this movie. And I think, and again, I like Ernest Borgnine. But like, I do, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like he's kind of part of, I feel like he might bring the movie down a little bit in terms of, like, he feels too old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like him in the Dirty Dozen. I, I don't Wait, know. do you like
0: William Holden in the role, or?
1: I think he's okay.
0: I think he's okay, too.
1: I like the idea, again, of taking this old Hollywood star and making him a little gr yeah, and yeah. meaner and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I so, don't know.
0: This movie was nominated for two Oscars. Um best score. <laughs> what? <laughs> for uh Jerry Fielding. What? And Best Writing. Oh god. Okay. And I just have two two lines I wanna read that stood out to me as really great writing. <laughs> um <clears throat> come on sweetheart, let me see your TTs. <laughs> That's one, okay, <laughs> number two is when the old man is I don't know, they had that weird sand dune situation, mm-hmm. and one of the brothers is like, here's what he says, he takes out his gun, I'm gonna get rid of him, that they're gonna kill him because they went well, in sand dunes. That, that's not that bad, come <laughs> on, I'm gonna get rid of him, like he's part of your game, like yeah, you can't yeah. just take out a gun- I'm gonna get rid of him, like,
1: yeah, you just do it, you wouldn't say anything,
0: yes, <laughs> and also it's just a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> It's not, it, like, why would you kill him? He's part of the gang. Yeah,
1: it blows my mind. If anything, I could see it being nominated for, like, editing if they wanted to go that route or best yeah. picture yeah. or something. Yeah. But, yeah, writing and also, score.
0: Also, what about, all okay, <laughs> like, the scene where the train is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's the U.S. soldiers that are expecting the train, they're expecting the shipment, and then they're going to steal the actually they're not expecting it i think they came to capture them i don't know there's us soldiers there okay and then the other train so they steal the ammunition and they're sending the train back to crash into the us soldiers oh they were on the train already yeah did you notice how much horse talk there was <laughs> no. get these horses out of whoever are these horses where's my horse get on your horse where's my horse and then it cuts back again again you hear them talk about the horses again cuz they have to get the horses out of the cart <laughs> Get these horses out of here. Horse, horse, horse. And I'm just like, these poor horses, these horses have to deal with these people. Yeah. (laughs) Why is it so loud? Why do they talk so much? Why is everyone talking over each other?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't have a problem with that.
0: I don't usually. I really don't. But this one just felt very sloppy <laughs> Why do I need to hear 20 people say get these horses out of here? Yeah. <laughs> no one's saying anything different. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So this movie made me remember and this is like a little throwback moment. Did you ever see Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron? <laughs>
1: no, but I remember when it came out. No, I didn't see it. That
0: is a class A movie. It is <laughs> I'm not kidding and I haven't seen it for years, so don't take that like too too seriously. But really, I started to think about it because there are all these like army horses in this movie, and that movie is about a wild stallion that gets captured and gets turned into an army horse. You never saw it. Mm-mm. So it was a no. DreamWorks movie. It came yeah. out when I was a kid. I saw it like as a child, and it really affected me and it became like one of my favorite movies. I used to watch it all the time, because it's very serious. The horses don't talk in it. Mm. It's a cartoon, but there's no talking horses. Really? It's literally just in his POV. and Matt Damon is like narrating his thoughts, like plays him as narrator. Really? It's, oh. I remember it being really good. And then there's a Native American character and they parallel each other, right? Because this Native American is captured by the soldiers just like the horses and then they escape together. And it's like anti-expansion, anti-Manifest Destiny children's movie in the POV of a horse that doesn't talk. Wow. It's incredible. I
1: don't see that I, You that do great. and yeah. Hans Zimmer
0: did the music. Oh. I want to watch it. I really am curious. And then I went on Letterboxd and I read what people were saying about it. And it was great. It was hilarious. Like people were like, I'm not, I'm not crying. I'm allergic to animated horses. (laughs) Like things like that. So Uh I'm glad it's still, I'm glad it has good reviews on Letterboxd. I really do want to revisit it. Someone wrote the only Western that matters. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So yes, all the horse talk in this movie instantly made me think of that.
1: Wow yeah yeah there's a well we talked in the beginning about the the treatment of horses and look in a lot of these westerns it's hard to get around yeah kind of you see horses falling and stuff and i know they're trained for those like falls but there's stuff it in was... here with them like rolling down the sand dunes yeah. and stuff it's just it's aggressively yeah. mean um, it really is i can't you know i think still a lot of the spaghetti westerns also did not treat horses well so i can't really like you mm-hmm. know i'm just glad it's not a thing anymore
0: oh definitely I know it's, it's become a trend with these movies, mm-hmm. which is why you should watch spirit because it's about, it's in the point of view of a horse. And it's
1: animated. So no real horses were injured. No, <laughs> and
0: it's really sad. I like, had no idea that really it was like, really sad. That it
1: was so poignant.
0: So poignant. There's, huh. there's no animals talking.
1: It, it, c- it came out when I was already like into like cool stuff. And I, I remember it came out. I was like, I don't want to see this. I remember
0: shit. it being brilliant.
1: Huh. I'll take a look. Yeah, Dreamworks was really interesting then because they also did uh Prince of Egypt. Yeah, Prince of Egypt. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. in that vein of Dreamworks okay. movies that's like serious. I'll take a look. Yeah. So let's let's deep dive a little bit now into like Okay. The story and the characters, right?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, what else is there easy to talk about, I feel <laughs> the like. The
0: violence. So it's posed as this like okay, they decide to do the right thing and look what happens to them. It's another massacre they die however and and maybe it could be thought of as a oh they can't help it all they know is violence sort of thing but Uh don't you think it's kind of stupid that after they shoot the general and nothing happens he then shoots another general to start the entire massacre like don't you think that's kind of dumb
1: i think that's kind of like some of the macho bullshit because like I did just watch his his uh later film like 10 years from this uh Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia which is not quite a western but it has a lot of it feels like it's born from the same place as The Wild Bunch and again in that movie it, this a similar thing happens where like is the whole premise of that movie is this they're after this guy's he- literal head mm-hmm. and they have to like cut it off his dead body and like bring it to this like mob boss who like wants the head mm-hmm. and it's the same thing where like he'll just kill people unnecessarily. Like, he doesn't need to, but he'll, like, gun the whole place down. And I feel like it's part of Sam Peckinpah's whole just, like, macho bullshit of just, like, yeah, fuck them, kill them, too. Like, fuck them, kill them.
0: Right, right. But if his intention was to show how bad that is, don't you think... Yeah, I think... The character who was then redeemed at that point because he had that revolution revelation in the whorehouse, which, by the way... Like what a stupid revelation! Like it shot really conventional. All he does is just looks around and then what? He's changed. I
1: know. He decides
0: he's gonna go save Angel. He's bad at
1: the those dramatic moments. He doesn't really bad. Like he looks at
0: the girl's baby and then what? Like
1: like oh baby yeah I know
0: yeah and then and then after they have killed the bad guy and it doesn't seem like anyone else wants to die for this guy they then start the massacre. It's Mm -hmm. I know I don't know. It's kind of confusing and I'm fine with. You know, ambigi- ambiguous characters and nihilism, obviously. But
1: yeah, he's his stuff is very kind nihilist. Of, yeah,
0: it's it's confusing a little bit. Yeah. I don't know because it is It's it is. Tri- it's, it is- I read this one review that was raving and it was like, oh, yes. And then they decide to do the right thing and look what happens. They die. <laughs> well, no, not really. They initiate that. Yeah, they do. Like, I feel like people have misread it a little bit. I don't know.
1: I think so, too. I think it, there's a difference between having morally ambiguous characters and then just having an, an unintentionally ambiguous story.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, it's just sloppy filmmaking.
0: Like, for example, there's a there's at one point, uh, Ernest Borgnine's character says, Like he's defending them because he was talking, they were talking about the federales and how they're so vicious and he's defending their bunch, their group. He goes, we don't hang people. And okay. I get that if that's supposed to be ironic, but I genuinely couldn't tell if he was being ironic. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you should be able to tell.
1: Yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah.
0: Because it could go either way. It could be this old Hollywood way of delivering it where you just don't really understand the actual intention or Mm -hmm. he could be, ironic i don't know yeah it should be clear it
1: should be i agree completely it's not
0: <laughs> no and yeah they're extremely sexist which is well, again, i guess the point yeah, right yeah. it's the point but still
1: to not have a single yeah strong female and every character.
0: girl is like smiling and flirting and like taking and her topless. top off yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and that goes throughout all of his films that really? i've seen yeah it's not just exclusive to the Wild Bunch. I do
0: think it's the point that they are sexist, right? Of
1: course, of course, and you can have that, but like, I don't think the director thinks highly of women either, and that's yeah. where the problem is. And yeah. knowing his real life history yeah. with women and stuff, like, you can't help but be like, "Oh, he was a chauvinist pig." Yeah. Let's just cut Sam Peckinpah down right now. Let's <laughs> let's take him off the the Mount Rushmore because he doesn't deserve to. be I there.
0: didn't know he was on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. People hold him in really high esteem. Really. Anyway, should we do uh, Sight and Sound? Let's do Sight and Sound. So what was your favorite sight?
0: I'm a sucker for like slow dollies. Uh. So honestly, I think my favorite sight is just when they're leaving Angel's Village. And it's their point of view of all the villagers seeing oh, yeah. off. And they're singing to them. It's just a really slow, nice, calm moment.
1: Yeah, and um, the, the music's really An
0: actual, cool. like, relevant to character moment. Which you don't really see
1: a in the, lot in in the, the movie. rest of the movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's true. Uh, mine is that's a really nice moment. That was high up for me. And again, this movie, it's funny. It doesn't look nice, um, but it's not supposed to, but it doesn't even look nice in a bad way. Yeah. Like,
0: I had a really hard time choosing a favorite. It actually side. is
1: a pretty ugly movie. And Which they, is
0: the point, again, we get.
1: It's the but point. A, but not but, in like a good ugly. Yes. It's just like in they didn't know what yes. the fuck they were doing way. I, I'm so glad <laughs> we're we We're cutting agree. this one down. We are. This is probably the meanest we've ever been on a movie. You think? It deserves it, though. Because, this is the worst movie on the list so far. Th-
0: yeah. Like, there's no... Cas- we were talking about Cassavetes. There's no Cassavetes on this list. And there's this movie. I know. I like, agree. that's wild to me. Yeah. Wild bunch to me.
1: Yeah. I completely agree. Where's Woman Under the Influence?
0: easily <laughs> or something any uh, yeah. there's a whole plethora of directors that should be on this list yeah anyway
1: so my favorite site is it again it's obvious but the movie looks like shit uh it's just the scorpion it's the scorpion yeah singing itself that to was death. close and again i know it's like one of the key images but for a reason it's one of the only memorable images like uh, yeah while i was watching it because i usually try to come up with my favorite site while i'm watching it. If, if it doesn't happen then When I'm recalling the movie, I'm like, what's the first image or two that comes to my mind? In this movie, it's literally nothing. Me too. Because it's just so unremarkably shot. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it's the scorpion image. What was your favorite sound?
0: My favorite sound is when they're going to hand off or they're going to fake hand off the weapons because they just assume that they're going to be played, which is fine, but I just think it was such a strong assumption to base the rest of the movie off of that they're not going to be paid or there's going to be some sort of foul play. It kind of came out of nowhere, you know? And Mm -hmm. they they do that whole, like, tense setup after they just stayed at this guy's resort and, like, nothing happened. Anyway, so they're going to hand off the weapons or test, basically, the general's men to see if they're going to do any funny business. Mm -hmm. And they tell the main guy, he's kind of scrawny and he's wearing goggles, and they tell him, like... Come closer, but alone. Just you. And uh, this is what he says. I am coming. I am your friend. Remember? (laughs) (laughs) Just ridiculous. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Yeah, that is ridiculous. What's
0: your favorite sound?
1: Uh, So it's also... Well, no, this one's actually good. So um, it's when... what's What's the outlaw that's chasing them? What's his name again? Deke Thornton. Okay, so Deke says this to his men this is his his like rally speech to his men they know what this is all about and what do i have nothing but you egg sucking chicken stealing gutter trash with not even 60 rounds between we're after men and i wish to god i was with them the next time you make a mistake i'm going to ride off and let you die <laughs>
0: I hated those bounty hunters. They were so annoying.
1: I just like how aggressive he is. Like gutter trash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, it's, it's like, just...
0: dude, you're also an outlaw, and yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, it's those were hilarious. all guys that were like given the choice of jail or this, right? I th- uh, oh, actually, yeah. I don't know. yeah I don't know. Uh, it's just a great. It's a
1: great couple lines there. Oh my gosh,
0: <clears throat> the flashback. I just remembered the flashback of. William Holden's character with his, like, lover, I don't know, the, the woman who was married. Oh, God. And they're, like, right next to the bed, and she, like, just takes off her top, and she's, like, smiling, and then she gets killed.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. That, flashb- that flashback is so fucking lame.
0: All the flashbacks are lame and stupid and pointless. Yeah.
1: Like, you can, Im- you can infer that without showing it. Hey,
0: partner, time to go when he gets in the, they're, like, in a whorehouse again. Yeah. And it's, like, all colored. Oh, that'll be the champagne we ordered. I'm, like, best screenplay. (laughs) Goddamn. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about, like, the fact that Angel just kills the woman that he loved. Which I I get it. Like, okay, I get it if he's supposed to be a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And they're bad people. But then, yeah, you have that moment where, like, the really old-fashioned music is playing. And they're all laughing and drinking together. And it's, like, I don't know. Again, this incoherence between the two the two worlds this movie lives in yeah
1: they're not symbiotic at all no no i agree well pauline should we do pauline oh my god
0: i'm so excited
1: okay here we go get ready oh no (laughs) pauline kale says um it's a traumatic poem of violence with imagery as ambivalent as goya's (laughs) by a supreme burst of filmmaking energy sam peckinpah is able to convert chaotic romanticism into exaltation The film is perched right on the edge of incoherence, yet it's comparable in scale and sheer poetic force to Kurosawa's Seven Samurai.
0: Damn.
1: There are images of great subtlety and emotional sophistication, like a blown-up bridge with horses and riders falling to the water in an instant, extended, by slow motion, to eternity. Uh, A vulture sits on a dead man's chest and turns his squalid, naked head to stare at the camera.
0: That was cool, actually. I forgot to mention that
1: um sorry i'm cutting you off so she quotes peckinpah about the film who he said i was trying to tell a simple story about bad men and yeah. changing times exactly what you just said the wild bunch is simply what happens when killers go to mexico the strange thing is that you feel a great sense of loss when these killers reach the end of the line and then pauline says that's accurate as far as it goes but peckinpah has very intricate contradictory feelings and he got so wound up in the aesthetics of violence that what had begun as a realistic treatment a deglamorization of warfare that would, that would show how horribly gruesome killing really is, became instead an almost abstract fantasy about violence. There you go. The bloody deaths are voluptuous, frightening, beautiful. Pouring new wine into the bottle of the Western, Peckinpah explodes the bottle. His story is too simple for this imagist epic. And it's no accident that you feel a sense of loss for each killer of the bunch peckinpah has made them heroically mythically alive on the screen
0: that's what i said i said they're still heroes yeah.
1: but she i so it i sounds, get what she yeah,
0: yeah i think she agrees with us
1: well yeah i think she liked it more than we did though like she keeps saying poetic poetic blah 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 like if there this movie's not fucking poetic i don't think so either um so yeah i i think she recognizes that the movie has issues but i still think she kind of liked it
0: i think that's she kind of liked it too yeah. but i i also do think that she agrees with us where it's you know it's confusing and it's incoherent. Mm-hmm. His intentions were too broad, and he himself is not doesn't seem to be like confident in them. I think yeah, I think she gets us a little bit.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, let's do letterbox. Letterboxd.
1: I have one for four stars that just says "guys being dudes."
0: I saved that one. <laughs> I saved that one three stars Mexican warlord proves efficacy of machine gun that scene was so stupid yeah. I forgot to even talk about that yeah that's like, like he's like not a an fucking... idiot I'm sure he knows how to like
1: okay let's talk okay about it. trigger. <laughs>
0: Finger, Wh- what? And
1: they like can't stop shooting. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. It's like a fucking Laurel and Hardy bit.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs>
1: it's so dumb.
0: It is really dumb.
1: It's like something you would see in Chaplin's The Great Dictator or something. You know, like just I... a complete tomfoolery. Yes. And then yes. everyone's okay because everyone ducked and got out of the way.
0: Like, one guy died. One
1: guy died. But whatever. still,
0: it's just it makes him look like an imbecile yep. which he wasn't really yeah he's an asshole but he's not an imbecile
1: what a dumb scene
0: really dumb
1: someone gave it two stars and said sam peckinpah walked more like crawled in this case so john woo could run and all that <laughs> referencing the slow-mo action mm-hmm. scenes
0: half a star what a shame on yeehaw culture <laughs> <laughs>
1: Someone gave it one star and said, I can appreciate the skill with which Peckinpah made this nihilistic masterpiece while also loathing it for its successful presentation of that worldview.
0: (laughs) I have a few really good ones. Okay, one and a half star. If you don't enjoy fake blood effects or men laughing uproariously at things that aren't
1: funny, this isn't the movie for you. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty true. That's the movie in a nutshell. (laughs) Someone gave it one star and said, show me a good Western, dot, dot, dot. That's right. You can't. Oh, <laughs> again, <laughs> Westerns get a bad rap. And I feel bad for people who are like, OK, I don't like Westerns, but I'm going to give a few a shot. And they watch like The Searchers and this. I'm like, guys, there are much better Westerns yeah, than this. Yeah,
0: yeah. Half a star. This movie has some of the most distinctive and mind opening editing I have ever seen. <laughs> but you can't go around stealing from trains. They're treated poorly enough in this country as it is. <laughs>
1: love a good train in a movie you know <laughs> i know me too like if a whole movie is just set on a train that's heaven
0: like murder on the orient express yeah
1: just give me a whole movie on a train just please
0: what's the word of, for people who are train uh officiados? Oh, okay. something file it's like a yeah. thing word oh for sure last one for me one star i don't like westerns period this one is 145 minutes long <laughs> <laughs>
1: again the the genre the genre exactly someone gave it a star and a half is my last one they said a profoundly unpleasant film there is no morality no redemption to be found just a tiresome masculine code of honor and camaraderie fuck the women and animals that get in the way
0: Yeah. yeah 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 so like i said kind of embarrassing that we haven't done an american movie in a long time and we just have the most like stereotypical problematic uh yeah movie
1: yeah i think this like this is an embarrassment that this is on the sight and sound list and i think it's an embarrassment that it's still highly revered and yeah. i think this is one of those kind of in quotes classics that deserves to be dethroned
0: it probably will be on the next list i think
1: it sounds like a it sounds like we're being really mean on it. I feel confident cuz you feel the same way. Yeah, I feel like yeah. usually when we're aligned it's like
0: we're right. We're
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I don't I don't hate the movie. I don't hate it. I gave it 3 stars on Letterboxd actually. That's sexually. really high. Cuz it's like it's just I'm kind of indifferent to it. Like it's not terrible, but it's not great.
0: I would never watch this again. I
1: will probably give it like 20 years and watch it again. Hmm. Um but yeah. Yeah, there's just why when there are so many better Westerns.
0: Exactly. Mm
1: -hmm. Well. Well. I think that about wraps it up for this week. Yeah. Um, Next week, we do have a very special episode coming your way. Uh, Let's just say it's not the next film on the list. It is a personal prince, and that's all I'm going to say at this point in time.
0: (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You think it's enough? Should
1: we tease a little more? No, I don't think so. Okay. So, yeah, I mean come back next week because we do have a big one and I can't tell you what it is now. And we may or may not have a special guest. we will have to see. (laughs) So yeah, that was the wild bunch. Thanks for sticking it through with us on this one. If you loved it. Hey, great. I'm genuinely happy for you that you got some enjoyment out of this. Um, otherwise the episode
0: or the movie the film okay
1: (laughs) of course this this episode is delightful i'm talking about the film
0: Um,
1: but anyway yeah come back join us next week i'm sorry i can't tell you what the film is but also you've probably seen this movie already so if you're one of those people that's been following along and trying to watch the movies in preparation first of all we love you thank you Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but um also you've probably seen this film before yeah so don't worry about it you're gonna see what it is we'll drop a couple hints but it's gonna be a big one for us, and we're very excited to. It's going to be
0: really week. fun.
1: Yeah. Well, Jackie. Until next time. Yeehaw. Hope everybody has a great week. Bye. This has been an official podcast of the Arroyo Film Club. Seen and Heard is Jacqueline Pastagian and Greg Kleinschmidt. Theme music by Andrew Cox. You can find us at seenandheardpod.com dot